0: Welcome to Real Radiant, a podcast from the heart to help you connect to your radiant self. I'm your host, Morgan Lesniewski, and each week I'm bringing on some amazing guests for real and honest conversations on topics like lifestyle, wellness, and how to live your best life. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Real Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Lesniewski, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear today's episode. I am joined by Erica Straub. She is literally an expert in all things attachment styles, trauma, love relationships and how trauma plays a role in our relationships she has dedicated her life to helping people regulate their nervous system repair attachment wounds release shame that comes out within our relationships due to past trauma and fear and anxiety and things like that She really helps us step out of a place of helplessness and into a place where we can really get control within our lives and really have a better sense of who we are and what we want and be intentional with the lives that we're living and especially within our relationships. So this was such a great episode and I'm so happy that she was able to come on. In today's episode, we talked all about the role trauma plays within our relationships and impact it has in loving others and ourselves. And we talked about attachment styles, how to get to a place of a secure attachment, and also a little bit of nervous system regulation. So definitely a packed episode with lots of good stuff. Definitely want to take some notes because she had some really great pieces of advice and so just some really great gems of insight into <laughs> drama and love and relationships and all of those things. So I know that you guys will really get some valuable takeaways from this episode because I surely did. And you may even want to listen to it twice because there's so much information and so much to unpack in here. So definitely consider listening to it a few times over. And like always, feel free to rate and review the podcast leave something nice leave something good some feedback i love to hear what your guys' thoughts on the podcast what you like don't like anything so don't forget to do that on whatever platform you're listening on and then also go and follow the instagram at real radiant with two t's where i'm posting podcast updates yoga wellness lifestyle tips tons of good stuff over there. So definitely go check it out and join the community over on the Instagram. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Hi, Erica. Thank you so much for coming on Real Radiant. I'm so happy to have you here.
1: I'm happy to be here too.
0: So the big question of the podcast that I ask everybody that comes on, because it's always so interesting to hear what people say and what is one quote that has resonated with you and changed your perspective on things like life, jobs, relationships, anything like that?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, One of the quotes that is really resonating for me right now is love is unconditional
0: and relationships are not. Mm -hmm. I love that. And what does that quote kind of mean to you?
1: Uh, well, I think it separates love and relationships because I think we often believe that love is the only thing we need in relationships. And mm. I think love starts to become this thing that's conditional. And we often end up loving people into cages and ourself into a cage. And it's really the relationship that needs boundaries and maybe not necessarily conditions, but boundaries and non-negotiables and Mm. to make the relationship, you know, the safe space. Um, Mm. And often, you know, we think the relationship can be unconditional as well. And I think that um, all stems from trauma.
0: Mm. Yeah. I like what you said about we put like with love and everything we can put other people into cages or ourselves in the cages. I think that's a really good way to look at it because so often in relationships we put like our expectations onto other people or they put their expectations onto us or we put expectations onto ourselves of how to act within relationships and how we should love others and how they should love us. So I think that's a really good way to put that concept into a more visualization.
1: Yeah, it really resonated for me. I've definitely Mm -hmm. had experiences of feeling like in a cage in relationships and then Mm -hmm. my own discomfort or own um, just wanting to control another because I felt like out of control internally. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's really like valid to look at the difference between love and relationships.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, your background, all of that.
1: Yeah. Um, where to start? (laughs) Um, currently I, I work as an international trauma coach. I mostly work with women, um, but men as well and children as well. And most of the work I do is around attachment. So that's like attachment to oneself and attachment to others in relationships. And, um, I think a lot of the work, the core of it is working with shame. And I Mm -hmm. think shame is the thing that prevents us from connection and intimacy. So that's the real like core focus of my work. And I really got into this work from just my own history and trauma and my own um, destructive relationships we'll say. So it was really like my self journey that led me then to like teach and share um, from all the different experiences that I've
0: had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's always the best when you, because you're helping other people and it's always good to know that when we're working with someone who's actually been through and experienced the same things that we're trying to get help with, it makes you feel a little bit better because you know that, okay, this person has been through what I've been through or at least something similar. So they get it.
1: Yeah. That getting it piece has to be there. I think that's like Mm -hmm. the intimacy piece of Mm -hmm. um, any kind of healing container there has to be like a resonance you kind of have to Mm -hmm. see yourself in someone else's story and that they've kind of led themselves through the fire a bit further than Mm -hmm. you have Um, yeah so yeah it really it really um, guides my work absolutely like Mm -hmm. my own journey guides my work and I learned a lot more from my own journey than any degrees or education or textbook it was it's really like lived experience that yeah such a difference
0: So can you kind of walk us through a little bit through your own journey, especially like with love, relationships and trauma?
1: Yeah, I would say that I grew up in like a very chaotic environment. And because of that, there wasn't a lot of attunement. Um, So I learned at a really early age to kind of shut down my emotions and Mm -hmm. really disconnect um, kind of from my experience right in front of me and disconnect from my body so there was a very large like unavailability um, about myself that I was completely unaware of um, until I got my ass kicked in relationships mm-hmm. <laughs> and your are heartbroken a few too many times that you, you know, you start to wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really like the unavailability within me that would attract partners that were also unavailable and mirror that back to me. Um, So I I think I played out a lot of my childhood scripts in my relationships. And I'd say each relationship, I became a little bit more conscious and a little bit more aware of my traumas and kind of the blueprint I was following. Um, A lot of that is from being like in survival mode and your nervous system being constantly hijacked. So I found myself really struggling with anxiety. That was kind of my... um, symptom you could say, but that wasn't the root. So that led me to a lot of um the anxiety led me to a lot of people that were actually very like shut down and not Mm -hmm. responsive and more passive, um, which would then just bring up more anxiety and more of my old traumas. And um yeah, it really, it really took until I learned how to regulate my nervous system Mm -hmm. and really come back into like my own body and my experience. reclaim my voice learn how to set boundaries you know it was really just a journey of like replaying all of this childhood trauma um, until I finally slowed down learned how to be in my own body regulate myself so then I could make choices you know Mm -hmm. choose who I let into my space choose partners choose friendships choose circles that felt safe and nourishing
0: Mm -hmm. yeah instead of just letting them happen to you because I feel like that's kind of I would assume that when we're in more of that survival state and we're kind of just going through the motions of life, not really conscious of what's going on with us, life just happens to us. And so people just come into our lives and we just get attached and we just kind of go through the motions and then something will shake it up and then we'll move on to the next thing until we finally wake up, you know, and get out of that survival mode. So for you personally being in that mindset and kind of just going through the motions and all of this happening, how did you finally get to a point where you were, were able to wake up and realize, oh, okay, what, what is going on? Mm-hmm. I
1: think that heartbreak was a big one. Mm-hmm. It really takes you to your knees, right. And you have the choice to learn the lesson from it or continue mm-hmm. repeating that and like being in that same kind of pain. But so much of it was about intention. Like really start to be intentional even just with my day or my morning mm-hmm. instead of like chasing the clock or chasing after something or feeling like you're behind and you just gotta go go go. it was like mm-hmm. slowing down and choosing. like how do I become more intentional? And that was like a game changer. It's like a total shift of perspective and like how you approach life or other people or job opportunities, Mm -hmm. like really getting intentional about it. Um, But I think behind that is also getting clear in your body what a yes feels like and a no feels like at the most Mm -hmm. basic level. I think a lot of us don't know that and we don't slow down enough to like discern when my body is saying, this is a no, this doesn't feel safe, or this doesn't inspire me, um, and learning what a real yes feels like, like that green flag, like, yeah, I really want to lean in, and this is going to be expansive as opposed to repetitive trauma.
0: Yeah, I really like that, what you just said about learning and differentiating what, between what a yes looks like, and or feels like, and what a no feels like, because that's so true that so often we're just so busy going throughout our day and not even realizing that our body really does tell us so much about what's right for us and what's not right for us and when we are so busy and just going through the motion so much we don't even give our body the chance to like keep up with what our brain's doing or what what we're just doing all the time so that's a really really good point
1: yeah and and busyness is really like a trauma response right to like not have to slow down um, mm-hmm. And feel, and I think a lot of us actually do know what a yes and a no feels like. We're just mm-hmm. so used to not listening to it or yeah. like honoring it. Or if something is a no, it's going to make us have to maybe disappoint someone else, or step out of people pleasing, or not be perfect, or disappoint. Mm-hmm. And so it's really like, what does that no actually look like in action? And I think that's where we often shy away from mm-hmm. like really listening to the no and acting on it. Mm-hmm. Um and when we don't listen to that no, it usually doesn't end well.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So can you kind of walk us through the relationship between trauma and love and how trauma can kind of show itself through our relationships? I know that's kind of a loaded question, so just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A
1: big question. Um Yeah. I think the, you know, where I would start with that is most trauma i mean outside of like accidents and injuries and that whole other world but Mm -hmm. most trauma happens within relationships so we get hurt in relationships but we also heal in relationships Mm -hmm. Um, and i think the deepest core need of every human is connection and emotional intimacy and so many people didn't experience emotional intimacy as a child. Like they didn't have that emotional connection with either one mm-hmm. of their caregivers. And so it's like this constant searching for that emotional intimacy um, that most people don't even know that's what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. But it's really like that safe place to just be yourself, to rest, um, to not be fixated on getting your attachment needs mm-hmm. met. Most trauma, I would say relational trauma occurs when a child is signaling that they need help or that they're afraid or that they're alone and the caregiver isn't responsive enough or isn't consistently responsive, let alone abusive, which is a whole you know, other level. But mm-hmm. um, when a child's needs aren't met, that leaves this like void within them. And mm. I think that most adults are walking around with this huge void, this like heartbreak that's just been mm. there their whole life that they're trying mm. to fill with different things, right? Like addictions or relationships, um, careers, like just trying to fill that void, I think is the byproduct of just not having needs met in
0: childhood. Mm. So how do you think, because I definitely feel like I experienced that where where there was definitely times in my childhood that, you know, my needs weren't met and my family wasn't always the most stable. So how do you think as adults, we can kind of start to work on that and not let it have such a negative effect within our relationships? Because I've seen it come out within my own relationships, especially when trying to communicate my needs to people or like feeling like i'm worthy to even be loved within the relationship so how do you think we can actually start to work on that
1: yeah yeah and it's i think it's really you see it a lot across the board this like feeling that you're not lovable Mm -hmm. like i think that's kind of at the core of all of it and communication is what facilitates connection and i know all of us have heard a million times um, you just have to communicate But trauma kind of is the thing that prevents the communication, because if we're triggered um, or we're like in that void or that wound, Mm -hmm. uh, our defenses come up, right? So we have this whole protection that we go into. So I, I really find the pathway to starting to heal is to get really familiar with what is your defensive posturing? What do you go to when you're trying to protect yourself? Because whatever those patterns are, those behaviors or those thoughts, that's actually the thing that hurts you because it prevents Mm -hmm. you from being vulnerable and open-hearted. So to start with, what do you do when you're defending yourself? What do you do when you're trying to protect yourself? What does that Mm -hmm. look like? And how does that hurt other people actually? Like how does that push other people away?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know when trauma response and I've, I've seen this within my relationship too, where we'll get in a fight and I'll just like literally shut down and I can't even think about anything. My brain it literally just feels like it turned, it turned off and you just go numb. And it's just kind of like, whatever, you know, it's almost like what the other person's saying is just going in one ear and out the other. Cause your body like literally doesn't feel anything or can't even think any thoughts. So in situations like that, how can we really try to work through that and actually get to a place where we can communicate and work on issues within the relationship
1: mm-hmm. yeah and I, I would say shutdown is such a common uh response that actually i would say was a, a big one um that showed up for me too and and still occasionally absolutely um but shutdown is really about being like overstimulated right you are just taking in so much that mm-hmm. your brain literally does go offline like your prefrontal cortex just gets wiped out by your amygdala and your emotional mm-hmm. centers of the brain so part of the work with shutdown is being able to stay a little bit more present each time even if it's one percent and that literally can look like being able to say even internally okay I'm shutting down right now It's literally Mm -hmm. to just have the awareness to know that's what you're doing. And then from the awareness part of it, it's like then speaking to it. Maybe you can't address the conflict in the moment, but you can say out loud, I'm shutting down right now. That's Mm -hmm. what's happening for me right now. So instead of like going deeper into the shutdown, you know, it's kind of like staying your ground. I'm aware I'm shutting down. Now I'm going to vocalize I'm shutting down. And then the next step may be saying what you need. Like, okay, I'm aware I'm shutting down. I'm gonna tell you I'm shutting down and what I actually need. I need 10 minutes to like regulate myself. Mm. From this shutdown place, I don't have access to communicating, like I'm just not here. So I'm gonna take 10 minutes to breathe, to walk, to like get my brain to turn back online and then come back. So it's really being able to kind of communicate each step of the way and then address the conflict. But if you don't address the shutdown part of it first, Mm -hmm. you're not gonna get anywhere. And normally I see in dynamics that there's usually a partner who shuts down and then there's a partner who rages because Mm -hmm. the other person is shut down, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really like our relationship to anger. One person is usually afraid of anger or their Mm -hmm. anger collapses on themselves. And the other person, their anger gets so big, it turns into rage. Mm -hmm. And so you have two people at opposite ends of the spectrum and -hmm. you can't have any reparative conversations or conflict resolution in that, Mm -hmm. you know, dynamic.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that, that is so spot on because in my, like, I'm the one that shuts down and then, my boyfriend, he gets irritated with the fact that I'm shut down and like, I can't communicate. So then he gets frustrated and angry. And then I in turn get even more shut down because I don't like the fact that he's mad at me. And I feel like he's mad at me. And then it just is like this cycle where, and it just kind of like spirals. And then I sometimes, sometimes we're able to talk it through then, but then other times we just have to step away for a little bit, take a little break and then come back like an hour later and talk it out. So that's, Definitely spot on.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think the thing that helps the most when you take that break is mm-hmm. to say to each other, "I will be back in an hour." Right, mm-hmm. like giving more um, specificity to, like, "I am, mm-hmm. you know, taking a break. I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving this issue. I will be back in an hour, but I need this time." I feel like when you mm-hmm. put kind of um, some boundaries or terms around it it helps the other partner kind of relax Mm -hmm. as well because they know you're Mm going to come back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I like that. So you said at the beginning of that shame plays a role, a big role in all of this. And I think that's something that probably a lot of us don't even realize could be contributing to how we act in our relationships or the things that we do. So can you kind of explain that a little bit more in terms of love, relationships, trauma, like how it's all connected?
1: Yeah, um, well, shame is really this, like our relationship to our enoughness, right? Mm -hmm. And um, some of us have a bigger fear of being too much and others of us feel like we're not enough. And a lot of times we actually have both, right? Mm -hmm. This feeling of I'm too much and not enough at the same time. And shame and fear are really connected so it, if I could use the example you just shared about this um, mm-hmm. shutting down and kind of someone getting really angry um, in that moment, I would imagine both of you are experiencing shame, mm-hmm. right? Like when we shut down, we are feeling shame, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the shame keeps us shut down from expressing like our anger or our true feelings, right? There's fear to express ourselves when we shut down. Mm-hmm. And then the other person who's really expressive and almost like in their, in your face kind of energy, they feel a lot of shame too, because they think you're leaving them. Right. Mm -hmm. So that brings up these fears of abandonment and rejection too. So shame is kind of always lurking under the surface for, for a lot of us. And I'd say it's really closely connected to our defensive patterns. Like we go to our defenses because we feel shame. We don't feel Mm -hmm. enough or we feel like we're too much, um, usually the person shutting down feels like they're too much so they don't express themselves and then the person who's like overly expressing doesn't feel like they're enough right so they're like constantly mm-hmm. reaching for more so it it shows up in all these
0: places mm-hmm. so do you think that that shame roots from just things in our childhood or does it just come from the underlying feeling that we're just never good enough Or is it kind of just a mix of both? Like, how can we figure out where it's coming from and then actually try to start working on it and not put so much pressure on ourselves? Mm
1: -hmm. Um, To me, shame is something that is like injected into us from another person. Mm -hmm. And to me, it, it almost always starts in childhood. And I say that because when we have experiences with our primary attachment figures or our parents usually, if they're not available or responsive or we don't have that emotional connection with them, Mm. that's really scary for a child. Like a child in their genetic makeup can't say, Mm. wow, my parent is not safe, right? Mm. Because we're so dependent on them. Like we, we depend on our parent for survival. So it can't be the parent is bad we're not doing a good enough job it has to be about us so we internalize those experiences and say well I must not be enough that's why my parent isn't showing up for me so what can I do how can I change myself to be enough for them to show up Mm -hmm. and so all of these stories from childhood get coated with shame like we take in for um kind of the the lack of care that our parents may or may not show
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting because really, ch- our childhood really does determine, I think, a lot of what happens to us in adulthood and how we interact with other people in adulthood. So it's so interesting to see the kind of overlap and even just these really small underlying things that could be playing and having a huge effect in our relationships as we get older.
1: Yeah, our childhood really does set the blueprint, mm-hmm. and it does that because most of what we learn in childhood is implicit, mm-hmm. meaning like it's not cognitive, like we don't always have stories or clear mm-hmm. memories of why we feel some way we feel, but those first like five to seven years of life, we're taking everything in through the body. Mm-hmm. So it's all feeling based, that's our implicit memory. So those are the things that really get triggered as adults. And that's why it kind of eludes us for so long. Cause it's not so obvious. It's hard to understand. We don't have a, a memory or a plus B equals C like, oh, I get it. You know, it's like all stored in the body.
0: Yeah. So do you think that this is where self-sabotage comes from too when in our relationships? Cause that's a big thing. I think pretty much everyone across the board probably does at some point in their relationships where it gets to a point where maybe it's getting a little bit too serious so then they start to self-sabotage a little bit so then they can distance themselves from the person or they do it in other ways is that where it kind of comes from as well
1: yeah well self-sabotage is really from fear and shame Mm -hmm. and um it's really a fear of intimacy right Mm -hmm. it's it's like the thing that we all want the most is also the thing we feel like we're most afraid of because we've gotten hurt. And so we do come up with all of these distancing strategies. That's quite literally what defenses are, is Mm -hmm. creating more distance between us and the person. But what's more interesting to me is we're actually creating distance between ourselves and our pain. Mm -hmm. And so if we never get closer to our pain and actually look at it and feel it and resolve it, then we're going to stay in these like repetitive cycles or be in relationships with the same kind of person over and over yeah. again.
0: Yeah, so just get closer to that pain, basically mm-hmm. is what you're saying. And how how do you think we can actually do that? Because it can be so scary. And I think that's probably the, all the fear and shame. It gets all wrapped up in there and then we just want to pull away. So how can we actually lean into it and trust that it'll all be okay?
1: Yeah, and, and it's not, you know, there's no one right answer to do that. I think it really mm-hmm. starts with a, and intention again, and becoming more available to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, I think so much of the work needs to be done in some sort of therapeutic container Mm -hmm. because we need that empathetic witness or that objective witness to kind of stand on the outside and walk with us through all of our internal experiences. So I'm a, Mm -hmm. I'm a huge proponent for therapeutic containers. Um, but I also think it's about building more safety in your body and in your nervous system so that you can tolerate these really uncomfortable emotions, um, sensations in your body, right? Like mm. what we really fear is how something feels. It's not really like all of these external things. It's like how it makes us feel. So mm. we have to have enough safety and regulation in our nervous system to actually be able to tolerate feeling some of these traumas or pains that we've experienced
0: mm-hmm. yeah and so with all this too because there's so much that goes into relationships and trauma and our past childhoods and everything and so how does attachment and attachment styles work its way into all of that
1: yeah well, well trauma manifests as insecure attachments
0: mm-hmm.
1: right and and both of them, whether we're looking at avoidant or anxious or disorganized, which is kind of the overlap or fluctuation between the two, it's all coming from fear. It's all coming from trauma. Uh, We never had the safety in a relationship with our parent to Mm -hmm. replicate with a partner. Um, So I always think of it, the anxious and the avoidant person are actually still seeking the perfect parent within a partner. So there's a lot of um, growth and maturity and healing that has to happen for people to be able to step into secure attachment and choose a partner instead
0: of unconsciously looking for a parent. Mm -hmm. Is that where you think the common phenomenon that when women move in with their boyfriends, they end up becoming the mom in the relationship kind of where they're just doing everything for the guy and taking care of all of his needs. And then in return, there's really... The guy's not doing that back for the female? Um,
1: whenever we mother a partner, it's mm-hmm. definitely revealing some trauma and some insecure attachment. Um, there's definitely some um, overlap between seeking a parent but wanting a partner. But mm-hmm. really, to me, what it speaks to the most is immaturity and emotional immaturity. And I think Mm -hmm. people aren't as aware of their actual maturity level. Like they've never stepped out of that really terrified inner child and Mm -hmm. stepped into their adult grown self. Like the Mm -hmm. inner child kind of keeps running the show. Mm -hmm. And I think often I see when people are parenting their partner, they were often a parentified child. Mm -hmm. so maybe they were also the oldest child right who took on a lot of the parents stuff so to speak but when you get parentified as a child it's like you're an adult when you're you know still supposed to be a kid so you don't have that um, experience of like childhood or getting to play or having all of Mm -hmm. these um creative playful fun spontaneous emotional expression you don't have those experiences when people get parentified so young
0: yeah and so how is it for the other person so say one one person in the relationships takes the role as kind of the parent and then the other person just sits back and accepts it how did how does that person play a role in that did they have the same maybe something different in them when they were a child where they just didn't mature at all and they were always babied is that kind of the dynamic of it
1: Yeah, I I would say that the the person who gets um, coddled, right? Or the Mm -hmm. person that's the child in the relationship more often than not is probably not the oldest child or the eldest child, that they Mm -hmm. were a younger child. um, They may have been really enmeshed with the parent, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The parent maybe never gave them space to figure things out on their own. There's a certain level of resilience they didn't build. Right There's a certain level of like resignation they feel that, you know, no one trusted them to grow up and excel and individuate that someone always mm-hmm. was going to come in and save, their, save them. So I think there's actually a lot of resignation, um, a lot of lack of self-trust, a lot of shame. Um, yeah, there's just not a lot of individuation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So would you say that with Secure, I mean, insecure or anxious attachment styles that the one that we should strive to is a secure attachment style? And then, if so, how do we actually get to a point where we can move from a not so good attachment style to the more secure one?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I would say the intention is definitely to feel more secure within Mm -hmm. oneself and therefore in a relationship. And to me, that really starts with learning to regulate your nervous system, Mm -hmm. because when we're in these insecure attachment patterns, whether it's avoidant or anxious, our nervous system is dysregulated. We're in survival mode. We're in our defenses, right? Mm -hmm. Our heart is closed. We're in full protection. So to start kind of relearning that process, we really have to learn how to regulate our nervous system, feel safe within our own body, feel calm within our own body, feel clear So we can be intentional and we can make choices. Um, We can kind of move towards our emotions, feel them. We can express our emotions. We just have more flexibility within having boundaries. But that all starts with having like a a nervous system that's regulated. That's Mm -hmm. how we feel safe and secure internally as if our nervous system is regulated. Um, When your nervous system is regulated, that's that feeling of being like at home. Like Mm -hmm. I feel at home in my body. I feel at home in my skin with who I am. And then you can bring
0: that into a relationship. Mm -hmm. So how can we actually start to regulate our nervous system and get to a place where we do feel like that? Cause I, well, I'm just curious with this question. Is it when our nervous system is dysregulated, is that something that we can live with for long periods of time without even realizing it? You know, for months or even years, that it can be dysregulated, or does it kind of ebb and flow in shorter time periods?
1: A lot of people stay dysregulated because they grew up in an environment that was chaotic, or Mm -hmm. their relationship with their parents was chaotic. So that's familiar. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times we think what is familiar is safe. And so we just continue replicating that and we just stay in the survival place. Our nervous system is just on all the time mm-hmm. that's honestly like our culture unfortunately and like mm-hmm. society at large right stay in survival mode so yeah people stay in prolonged survival states and that's where you see anxiety and depression that's where you see um physical disease manifesting right because it's all these mm-hmm. like unresolved emotions um stored within the body so yeah mm-hmm. we we outrun that for as long as we can until Uh, we have a mental health issue or a a physical disease that shows up. Mm -hmm. That often that's when people finally stop and say like, something's not right here. Mm.
0: So are there things that we can start doing like today, even for those listening right now, as they're listening to start bringing balance back to our nervous system? Or is it more of a gradual process? Like we need to be in therapy and do things like that.
1: Well, it depends on like the depth of the survival mode. It it depends Mm -hmm. on the degree of trauma you've experienced. It depends on your current environment, but Mm -hmm. really starting to regulate the nervous system can be as simple as most people have heard, like meditating, going on walks, being in nature, slowing down, reading and educating yourself on Mm -hmm. some of these topics, uh, breath work, yoga, exercise, um, creating moments in your day where you slow down, you journal, you self-reflect. Like Mm -hmm. none of this is new, right? We're not inventing the wheel here. But Mm -hmm. for me, the difference is you gotta be tapped in a little bit to your own energy. Because if I was sitting here and I was feeling like super anxious and antsy and couldn't sit still, trying to force myself to meditate in that moment doesn't really make sense, right? That sounds like like I'm putting myself in a box or forcing myself to do something. So if I know I'm feeling anxious and antsy and have all this energy, the better choice for me and my body in that moment is to go for like a power walk, right? And discharge some of that energy and then check in and see like, how do I feel? Okay, I feel a little bit stiller inside. Now I could probably sit down and meditate for five, 10 minutes. Right, or or someone um, who's presenting the opposite, who's like feeling more depressed or like super low energy, they're not going to go out and do like a hit workout, right? Like mm-hmm. there's just no way to get your body from that level of low energy all the way up here. So what might be a good starting part point for that person is to do some breath work that mm-hmm. is a little bit activating, so we bring in more energy to the body hey, then maybe I can at least like go for a walk or do a little run, right? So it's more about like knowing where you're at right now and then choosing the appropriate tool to kind of enhance getting to a regulated place.
0: Mm -hmm. And do you think that when, because I'll do those things, um, I'll just talk like from personal experience where I'll wake up, I'll meditate, I'll do my breath work, I'll journal, I'll do yoga. I'll exercise, like I'll go to the gym and everything, but then I still feel like there's something missing. And do you think when we get to a point where we've formed a good practice around doing those things, but it gets to a point where we feel like we have to do it and it just becomes a part of our routine and we're just kind of rushing through it to just check the box and get it done. Is that kind of when we take a step in the opposite direction and start almost doing more harm than good? Because it's more of a, I have to do this.
1: I don't know if I'd go as far as to say you're doing more harm, Mm -hmm. um, but I would say that it's probably becoming more Mm head-based. It's probably getting fueled by shame to do it. Like Mm -hmm. I should do this. And it's not actually like ritualizing or honoring where you're actually Mm -hmm. at. Like for me, I'm I'm a big proponent of morning routines or morning rituals, Mm -hmm. but they would never look the same for me every day. I wake Mm -hmm. up a little bit different every day, right? Some days there's more energy, some days there's less. So why would I force myself to do the same exact thing every day? Like that Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense for my body. That Mm -hmm. might for someone else. There's no right or wrong. Um, but my my whole philosophy is really being like attuned with where I'm at that day. What do I need Mm -hmm. right now? Um, so I think our rituals guide us there. But there's also something to be said about doing the trauma work too, right? It goes mm-hmm. it goes deeper than just regulating your nervous system because you can only regulate it to a certain degree if there's still so much trauma in your body, right? And mm-hmm. that trauma has to be processed and alchemized. If it's mm-hmm. not, then you're only gonna regulate to a degree that can still accommodate the trauma in your body. Mm-hmm. So there's gotta be some sort of trauma work or internal excavation of your mm-hmm. history mm-hmm. alongside some of these rituals, right? Mm-hmm. Or else you're just gonna plateau or you're gonna become just routine about it. There should mm-hmm. always be some growth happening. And that doesn't mean it feels good or it always looks like expansion. A lot of times it looks like some constriction and like stepping back and um it's just the ebb of flow of growth, right? Like mm-hmm. containment expansion, containment expansion.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that when you get to a point where you kind of plateau and you're just creating a routine out of these things, it's kind of almost just like putting a band-aid over the trauma wound and not you're addressing it, and you're trying to fix it, but at the same time it's really not doing as much benefit for you as maybe other forms would be at the time, you know, like deep therapy or um, something like that so that's a really good way to look at it
1: yeah and, and as you grow you'll need and want different things you know like, mm-hmm. like a, a particular type of therapy may be really um, fundamental for some part and then you might transition into energy work or you might transition mm-hmm. over here so it's just it's just consistently like staying securely attached to yourself and like where mm-hmm. am I at right now what do I need and not be mm-hmm. afraid of changing that as you go.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. So do you have any books, other podcasts or resources that you recommend for people to check out and kind of learn more about this stuff or things that you personally really enjoy? Um, I would say
1: that if people want to educate themselves further in trauma work to reference Peter Levine, he's the founder of somatic psychology. And Mm -hmm. I feel like his work. is approachable, you know, mm-hmm. like it's understandable. And I think it gives people a different framework for understanding trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also recommend looking at attached or the power of attachment, which are both books around attachment theory. Cause I think it's fundamental to get to know what your um, attachment style is, even though that's not a label or a box and it's fluid, it does give you some like context to that Um, i have a have a book that i just released that's called the worryless journal and it's just filled with different exercises for working with worry Mm -hmm. and anxiety and just kind of that revved up energy so i think that's a really helpful resource but i would really recommend to people to finding a practitioner that they feel safe with and resonate with and Mm -hmm. doing the work
0: yeah Thank you. Those are really great recommendations. And where can people find you? Like your Instagram website, all of that.
1: My website is anxiousfemale.com and my Instagram is underscore anxiousfemale.
0: Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. This is so valuable. I think uh, some of my questions kind of just came out from, from like wanting to know personally, just curiosity, you know, but I, I really enjoyed everything you said and what you had to talk about. You have a very knowledgeable take on all of these things so it's definitely good to learn from somebody like you who really who really knows what she's talking about
1: thank you it's my pleasure to come um and yeah i, I hope for everyone to be more informed in these ways i think it really um, is life-changing